You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered, missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. All right. Uh, Good morning, everybody. My name is Dusty. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, we are going to be in Proverbs, at least as a starting point. Um, We're going through a Bible reading plan this year. If you're new here or have never joined us on that, I would love for you to even start reading more or less some excerpts of the whole Bible this year. And I'm hopeful it'll be helpful whether you're trying to figure out who Jesus is and kind of get introduced to what it would mean to follow Jesus, or you've been a Christian for a little while or longer, and um, you want to continue to grow, which hopefully you do. So um, that's what we're doing, and we're in the book of Proverbs this week. And so let me, this is going to be kind of an unorthodox Sunday morning. So I just need to let you know that up front. That may make you nervous, but it's a little bit different. Um, Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically preach about a five-minute sermon on Proverbs 1, and then I'm going to stop, and then I'm going to just kind of dive into like a real specific aspect of it and kind of riff on it for a little bit and talk about something that you might have heard wrong about that topic, all right? So that's where we're gonna go. All right, so let me, let me go ahead and preach the sermon. And then, uh, you know, that way, if this last part is terrible, then you could just toss all that part out and just stick with this first part, all right? Uh, maybe even leave after five minutes if you just really need to. Act like you're going to the bathroom and then um, head out to Denny's. So, um, all right, so um, the, the idea of this passage is pretty straightforward. And it's that, um, that w- what we wanna do is we want to... Um, start with, what there's this broad category of wisdom and the beginning of wisdom, the key to this whole verse. In fact, it's the key to understanding the whole book of Proverbs. And that's that the fear of the Lord, verse seven, is the beginning of knowledge. Fools, on the other hand, despise wisdom and instruction. And so the, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And whenever we're able to broaden all the way out in the Bible, we understand very specifically for us today that this would mean through Jesus's death and resurrection, that we are people of, of grace, people of the cross, if you're a Christian. And, and this is the beginning point. Like it, this is the beginning point, uh, And honestly, the end point of what um, the Christian life is all about is the fear of the Lord, belief in the Lord, trust in the Lord, the goodness of God's grace that works in you, changes you, instructs you. And so that's the beginning point and honestly the end point. And, and so really what we're being called to here is a very broad, uh, a broad definition of, of wisdom, which would include God's moral commands. We'll hear more about that later, like who God is, but even do this, don't do that. There's a lot of that in both the Old and the New Testament. And so this is the idea of the Bible is that um, if, if you're saying, look, Lord, I want to know, like I want to follow you, like it's the beginning of wisdom, then um, where God's very clear in the Bible, what you're going to want to do, I'm not saying you're going to always do it, but as a general rule of thumb, you're going to keep coming back and going, okay, I haven't been doing that, but I know that I need to trust him in that area. And I'm going to start trusting him again, and I'm going to obey him in that. And so it's going to start with these moral commands, but honestly, wisdom is broader than simple obedience to the Bible. Wisdom even goes way beyond like specific commands. And it even begins to fill into areas like, um, what is, um, how should I treat people? And um, decision-making even on, should I take this job or that job? Should I date this person or that person? Um, A bunch of things like that, that, that wisdom begins to inform us very broadly 
broadly when uh, maybe there's not a clear right and wrong in the Bible, but do I choose A or do I choose B? How do I know? Like, how, do I, how am I supposed to know what to do? And so um, here's the, the first part, conclusion of the sermon, uh, the first part of the sermon, the little mini sermon, is that, uh, is that look, th- this is the path that God's calling you to be on, all right? If you're not a Christian, um, your other option is, look, that you're gonna, um, you're gonna pursue self and your own self's desires, which means you're clearly gonna reject the Bible and it's calling to trust Jesus and fear the Lord and obey him where he's clear. And most certainly, even on decision-making, you're gonna do what seems best to you, um, however you would determine that in a moment. It, it's a very different path. And um, if you're not a Christian, then I would say spend the rest of the time today like wrestling with that. Do you think that Jesus Christ was crucified and resurrected? Did he walk out of the tomb? And if he did, then there are implications and you're gonna want to um, get on this path and you're gonna wanna uh, be wise and be instructed in the Bible and you're even gonna want to please him even in your decision-making. And so that's the call. If you are a Christian, then we wanna walk deeply in this, in this direction towards Jesus. So um, there's your sermonette. Simple enough, right? Be wise um, as you fear the Lord and walk, in, walk with him and trust him in that way. What I'm gonna jump into now is a real specific part of decision-making. And like, we're gonna go into a deep dive here and how you make decisions, maybe when the Bible isn't real clear, you know, on the Bible isn't gonna tell you this girl or that girl or this job or that job or when to start a business and go on your own and when to change cities. And um, it's not gonna tell you any of that. And like, how do you know how to make decisions when the Bible isn't clear on, on like life decisions and maybe when something isn't sinful, it, it, what, how, do you, how do you know what to do? And um, the thing I'm gonna riff on a bit is that I think that if you have been in church for any length of time, there's a really good chance that you've learned this wrong, all right? And you've learned probably the wrong way to go about decision-making in a way that could be pretty destructive to you. It could make some bad decisions. And um, there's a whole lot of things that we'll talk about some of the negatives of it in a minute. So um, I'm gonna set up all this up with a couple of case studies um, that I'll kind of refer to throughout. So imagine... Um, you've got uh, a eligible bachelor in his mind. He's very eligible and he's got honeys everywhere. All right. They're everywhere and uh, all interested in him. He's got multiple options. So he thinks just as an aside, almost certainly you don't, but anyhow, um, and he's got, let's say a couple in particular and he's gosh, man, I've got decisions, decisions, got these, you know, beautiful, godly, really cool, smart, fun, interesting women. I, I mean, I, which one do I ask out? Tough call, you know? How do you know? How are you supposed to know that, all right? There's case study number one. Case study number two is um, you, let's say you're a financial planner, you're a, a real estate agent. It could be anything. And you've been working for another company and it's been good. You've liked it. Um, you've made a good living and you've got yourself established in your career. You now think that you've got enough experience in that career that you wonder about, hmm, should I, should I branch off and have my own deal now? Like, do I know this market well enough that there might be some advantages and even really getting real narrow with the clients that I serve and reach? Um, it, could be, it could be anything. And how do I know whether I need to stay put and even spend the next um, intermediate term or even the rest of my career working for someone else? Or, uh, or when do I branch off and, uh, and start my own thing? Or when might I even take an opportunity out of Lubbock in another community? Like, how, how do I know that? Like, the Bible isn't going to be clear on that, on which one of those things I should do. 
all of them are, are probably okay, biblically permissible. So like, how do I know? All right, so there's your, that's, that's setting the tone for the kind of things we're talking about. Uh, but there'd be many, many other ones. Uh, so um, let, me, let me go and jump into this, um, th- this call here. And, um, and I think the thing that makes this interesting is that many of these things aren't really necessarily sinful things, but questions of wisdom. So what I wanna do is I wanna talk about the way that sometimes Christians talk about three three different ways to talk about the will of God. And uh, we're gonna talk about these three different ways for a minute uh, because this is where we get into that faulty idea of God's will that affects how we make decisions. And uh, just so you know up front, I'm gonna say the first two of these are actually in the Bible. The third, I don't think is, but a lot of us are making decisions as if it is. All right, so here you go. Here's the first kind that I do think is in the Bible. This is God's sovereign will, sometimes called his hidden will, um, where um, this, this is where God is determined to do things. And um, usually you can't know about this ahead of time. You can't avoid it. This is just what God has decreed to do, right? Um, Like for instance, if you're like, has he? Well, look, all over the Bible, um, there's prophecies that God has determined. Like say for instance, that there would be a Messiah, uh, Jesus Christ, and that he would be betrayed for a few pieces of silver, all right? Like God just determined that that there would be a Messiah, number one, and number two, that there would be a betrayal, among many, many other things, all right? Um, and so this is God's sovereign will and it couldn't be avoided. Um, sometimes God tells us ahead of time in prophetic instances. Other times, like say in Ephesians and Colossians, it talks about from before the foundation of the world, like the even language like predestined, that God is predestined that, um, that in response to sin that he already knew would exist, that he would send Jesus Christ in the world to redeem, right? And to save. And so like, th- this is what we mean. There's a lot of passages that talk about God's sovereign or his hidden will. It's all over the Bible, all right? So number one, I'm saying is legit. Like that, that's there. Uh, number two kind of will that you'll hear people talk about that I'm also saying is there, it's all over the Bible, is sometimes called God's moral will or his revealed will. And this is in the Bible where he says, do this, don't do that. All right, that's, that's the will of God um, that relates to what you should do. And um, this is, uh, this, these are elements that are very clear in the scripture and that relate to God's character and even relate to what we should or should not do. And there's a lot of things that are super clear in the Bible. You've got the 10 commandments. You've got so many commands in the epistles. First of all, Jesus had a lot of commands, but in the epistles in the New Testament, it'll set up a lot of gospel statements of Jesus's grace. And in the second half of pretty much all the epistles, Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, will be a whole bunch of things that we need to do as a response of God's grace. He works in us and then we do. This is God's moral will. I would say pretty much every time in the Bible where it says know the will of God or to do the will of God, that it's talking about that because you can't know ahead of time, number one, the whole reason God's sovereign will exists, like the reason it's been revealed to us is so that you would trust him and know that there's a plan. Romans eight, you know, that God works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So when things seem crazy, know that there's a plan and you have a God that is powerful and you can trust him. That's the whole point, right? But the second, that isn't necessarily helpful in decision-making though, is it? Uh, Other than trusting him. So the second point is, hey, do this and not this. And there's a lot of things. And so when it says, know the will of God, it's almost always talking about this, all right? So there's, there's that. Now, this, there's a third kind of will that people talk about. And this third area is the kind of will of God that I'm saying is not actually in the Bible, but you've probably been taught it along the way, is an individual or perfect will of God. And that's where 
um, where like, okay, beyond even God's moral will, that there's a specific thing that you need to go do. So like that, that there's an it that you need to find. Sometimes people will say it's like a circle and this would be God's moral will. And then there's gonna be a specific spot in the middle of it that his, is his perfect will for you where like a specific job, or you could even say maybe not it, but the one. This is where people will say there's the one that you need to go find out there, like to marry and that kind of thing. And there's there's these things that you need to find. And there's these corollaries of it where people will say, hey, the safest place to be is at the center of God's will. And you're like, well, hold up. Like I know all kinds of people in the Bible that were at the center of God's moral will, number two, who died. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure that, that we need to say it's the safest place to be. And furthermore, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> And then the third point, uh, the second point to that would be even related to that, that whole idea of the safest place to be is at the center of God's will, uh, is that like, how do you know if you're in that? And what, would that, what do we even mean by that exactly? And so, um, but under this idea, if you believe in that third element of the perfect or individual will, then what you're gonna say is the way that you know that thing is gonna be usually through inward impressions and outward signs. That's usually how you're gonna figure out this girl or that girl, this job or that job, this city or this city, I can hire these two different people, which one should I hire? That uh, under this third model, it's gosh, there's like one that I need to hire, but how do I figure that out? And usually the way you'll do it is you'll have like an inward impression of just kind of feeling kind of drawn to one person or, uh, and usually that's also confirmed with an outward sign where um, like say for instance, you're trying to decide um, whether you should go ahead and start that business. And um, you know, you're just been praying about it and you're like, I don't know, I can't decide, how do I, how do I know? And why does you do it? You've got a couple of roommates or your spouse or who knows what that is on a Netflix binge and they're watching Rocky Four and uh, Rocky is standing up next to Yvonne Drago in between rounds and, or maybe before the fight, I can't even remember. And he says, go for it, like that. Um, and you're like, go for it. I need to go for it. Like I, I, that's what needs to happen. Like I need to, I'm in, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start the business or maybe it's a billboard or a song comes on um, when you've shuffled your playlist and, and it's like, oh, well, that's what I need to do. So, um, and a lot of us um, can have learned that that's how you're supposed to make uh, decisions. Um, so what I wanna do is I just wanna look at a couple of quick passages um, also in Proverbs, just to show you um, times that sometimes people will say this is referring to that third kind of will, but it's really one of the other two. Let me just give you a couple of quick examples Examples, then we're going to start working through it, deconstruct it a little bit, and then positively construct a better way of making decisions um, as we're on this path to follow um, Christ. All right, so here's uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. This sounds a lot like Proverbs 1. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make um, straight your paths. So some would look at this and they would say, oh, this is that individual or perfect will. And if you trust the Lord um, and trust him where everywhere that he's clear, that then he'll give you the inward impressions and the outward signs and tell you how to find it, you know, the center of his perfect will. Um, rather, I think a better way to look at this verse though is that this is God's moral will instead. What he's saying here is, look, there's a path to be on. And wisdom literature in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and also the book of James will do this, will talk a lot in terms of paths. And it's talking two different life directions, very similar to Proverbs 1, where it's saying, look, there's a path over here that's saying, I'm gonna trust the Lord. That's gonna be the beginning of wisdom. I'm on this path and I'm, I'm towards him and everywhere he's clear in the Bible, I wanna obey 
him. And even when I step out of line of that, I'm gonna repent and correct and turn back towards him. And then even beyond what's clear in the Bible, like I just wanna live wisely and I wanna maximize my impact and I wanna, I wanna um, live in a way that brings the maximum amount of freedom to me and uh, grace and benefit to others. And, and wherever, whatever the best thing to do, like that's what I wanna do. I wanna please him and I wanna live freely. And like, there's that path. And then there's another path that's saying, no, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. And I'm gonna live how I wanna live. And I'm gonna self-define morality. I'm gonna self-define decision-making. And so really what uh, Proverbs 3 is saying is trust the Lord and walk on that path towards him. In other words, follow his moral will and do the will of God and obey where he's clear in the Bible, that that's a path of thriving and prospering for you and others. Uh, Let's look at Proverbs 16, verse 9. Sometimes someone might say that that's the individual uh, will or the perfect will, but this is what it says. It says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Uh, so actually, I think this is verse is saying the exact opposite of you've got to find the it or the one in the middle of the circle. But rather, I think what this is saying is, look, you're going to have your plans. I would argue you should have plans. This isn't saying plans are wrong. Make plans. So, hey, I think we'll do this and we'll do these and that investments and we'll do this, this and that trips and we'll plan for the future. And I've got ideas of what I want to do with my career and dating life and marriage and all, all those kind of things. Plans are good. But this is just saying while that's true, uh, but the Lord is the one that establishes your steps. In other words, you have plans, but God ultimately is making decisions on how things go um, on top of that. And uh, this is God's sovereign will. I would make the argument it's that first kind of will. And I mean, all of us have things like this where you had plans and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you find love and you weren't planning on it, right? Or you had your plans and then tragedy strikes that changes the course of your life forever, but you sense the Lord's nearness through that. And like you walked in faithfulness in the middle of that, like you had your plans, but then the Lord establishes the steps. So I would make the argument, Proverbs 16 is really making the case that um, there's a sovereign will that goes beyond our own decision-making that you can't know ahead of time or avoid, um, that that's what God is going to do according to his de- decrees, according uh, that, that's that, that side of things. Again, that's not a super helpful category for us while we make decisions, but you just know that, hey, look, I can trust the Lord even while I'm making plans, basically is what uh, Proverbs 16 is saying. So um, I'm confident that pretty much every verse that you'll look at when it talks about God's will is talking about either, number one, sovereign will, or number two, God's moral will, that it doesn't talk about his individual or perfect will. And um, this is significant uh, because then it means you don't have to go find God's will. In other words, it's clearly revealed or we walk according to wisdom. Now, a quick question someone may ask is go, well, hold up. Are you saying that, um, that like spiritual gifts and like prophecy or even the spirit speaking to us aren't a thing? And I'm not saying that at all. Although I know some of us in this room will, will feel like gifts like prophecy uh, were completed in the time of the apostles and they're not ongoing. But many of you here today do think they are. All I would say to that is I'm going to say, yeah, I do think that the Spirit speaks individually and through the gift of prophecy. But all, what I'd say on that is that um, even then, if you look at the definitive book in the Bible on what to do on spiritual gifts is 1 Corinthians. Like it addresses it the most clearly. And there it says that, hey, look, when someone prophesies, it even says do it orderly and even tells men and women how to do it and how they should even be dressed and appear um, as they do it in a way that has dignity and so on and so forth. 
uh, even says that, look, you know, take turns. Like it isn't this thing that you just gotta blah out there. Like it's not an ecstatic type thing. Like you can, like it's something that's there and you're gonna wait your turn and even tells you how, but then it says, let the church like weigh it and consider it, which that, what that would tell you is, um, even if you say, yes, I, I think that that gift is there, it would just say that wisdom, first of all, the Bible, secondly, wisdom is going to be on the top of prophecy. And the church would weigh a prophecy and say, eh, I don't know, as I read the Bible or as I listen to it, I'm just not sure that we need to give that a lot of weight right now and that kind of thing. And so all I would say is wisdom even, I would say wisdom even reigns supreme over, over what we believe that the Holy Spirit has told us or what we might have um, with a prophecy or something like that. All right, now what I wanna do is I wanna talk about, I'm gonna give real quickly four practical problems to um, believing in that third kind of will. That um, this is my burden, is I think a lot of Christians in this room um, are, are living in this as it relates to major decisions in your life. And I'm hopeful perhaps there might be a little bit of freedom as we spend our time together today. So here's the first problem of viewing um, the will of God like that, like there's something in it to find, is number one is that people feel like that they are spiritually defective because everybody else seems to hear, you know, that Jesus told them to do something, you know? Um, and pastors are the worst about this, about, hey, man, you know, God's calling me, leading me. God told me to take this other job. Never mind that it's usually a bigger church, more money, but anyways. Um, and, and so it's like kind of wrapped around a lot of spiritual language. And, or somebody says, you know, um, God told us to date or get married, or God told me to start this new business. God told me to this or that. And um, you're like, man, I'm not gonna argue with that at all. I'm not, I don't know, maybe he did, uh, but I've never had that. Like, I think that like 97% of us out in the crowd today are like, man, I've never had God like say this one, not that one, and here, not there. And like, I don't know, like I'm just kind of going through life trying to follow and trust Jesus, but I've never had like that kind of an experience. So maybe, maybe I'm destined always to play on Thursday nights instead of Fridays. Like I'm always gonna be on the spiritual JV that, and maybe some of us are even like, in addition to feeling like um, spiritually defective, like you're a little bit um, sore at the Lord about it. Like all these other people have this incredible uh, connection apparently where, um, where he tells them these things, but you feel forgotten. Like you're begging him for, you know, clarity and insight onto what to do. And he just won't give you that internal impression and that sign that tells you that lightning bolt that says here, not there, that one, not this one. And like, you're getting to be a bit sore about it. Um, here's the second one. The second problem is people are frozen into indecision, frozen into indecision. Um, and that is where um, you've got all these choices to make and you're just sitting around waiting for an impression, um, waiting for a sign and it never comes. And you've got these, and so many decisions, good grief, even on where you go to lunch today. I mean, you're gonna fight about that. And much less once you show it a place, you're gonna have this trifold menu, you know, you just keep flipping through and you're like, I don't even know what to get once I'm here, you know? And, um, and then life can be way worse than that where you can be paralyzed, where you, you just don't, you, you, haven't, you haven't heard real clearly and so you don't know, you just don't do anything, which of course is a decision. And a lot of us are just frozen into that. Um, or uh, number three, another practical problem is bad decisions are made based on flimsy rationale. Um, so again, you're, uh, you're thinking about starting the, uh, you know, the business and you walk in on Rocky, go for it. And you're like, yep. And you're like, well, maybe you didn't need to. Maybe this is a really bad time for that. Maybe you don't have the experience for that. It wouldn't be sinful, but it's just unwise. Um, or um, you are, um, you just had three consecutive dating relationships in a row 
and like maybe not at a real healthy spiritual and emotional place. Maybe you need to kind of get things settled down and, and deal with some of your own demons and pain points and just exhaustion emotionally. And maybe a rebound relationship, while not sinful, might be really unwise, you know? And so, uh, but because if you're looking for an inward impression or an outward sign and like the it or the one in the middle of the circle, then you can end up making a really bad decision, but it wasn't based on wisdom. Like it was really flimsy rationale. Number four, fourth problem is that uh, there can be a real unnatural line between ordinary decisions and like really big decisions. So uh, a lot of us actually operate in wisdom with ordinary decisions. Like when faced with, should I go eat a $15 lunch today? You're like, oh no, that's way out of my budget. And I know, I know what happens. If I do that, that means I'm not gonna be able to do this and I'm, it's gonna affect my ability to save and service debt and so on and so forth. So on the fly, you're like, no, it wouldn't be sinful to go eat the $15 lunch, but it's just, I'm, that's unwise. And so you're like on the fly making really wise decisions, but then on big decisions, all of a sudden when it's time to buy a car or date or start the new career or whatever it would be, all of a sudden then you get frozen, right? And then we're like, well, now on this thing, now wisdom isn't really guiding me, but rather it's um, how do I feel about it? And is there a billboard or a song that comes up on my iPhone? So those are the problems. And I think a lot of us in here feel all those things, spiritually defective on the spiritual JV, uh, frozen into indecision. Uh, fellas, there's some of us that haven't asked a girl out in forever. And, um, and you're like, you're, you're waiting for like some kind of like miraculous thing. And uh, like there are risks we could take for Jesus that we're not because we're afraid of failing and afraid of like missing that, that dot at the middle of the circle and forever having a life that's over here. Because what happens if I start dating and marrying someone that isn't the one and it's the, it's the second best. And, and uh, then I'm, I'm off of that track forever of God's best. And what does that even mean? And on and on and on. And so then we just don't make any decisions, which of course, like I said, is a decision. So now let me positively construct a better approach. And this would be really built on Proverbs 1. Um, there's a great book by a guy named Gary Friesen that wrote a book called Decision-Making in the Will of God. And this is Friesen's approach positively for wisdom on decision-making um, that affirms those first two kinds of will of God, but not the third. All right, so here you go. Here's Friesen. Where God commands, we must obey. All right, so we're, it's clear in the Bible and there's that moral will, like that stop right there. And so many of your worst decisions are made because you don't do this. You know, like back in my college ministry era, I would talk to people all the time that were dating and they were uh, having a physical relationship, keeping that PG. And uh, they'd say, yeah, but we prayed about it and we have a peace about it, right? And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, like the Bible's like super clear on that, right? And so like, don't pass go, uh, don't collect the $200. Like it's, it, like it's just super clear right there um, that where there's something sinful or somebody that's like, you know, through COVID, I'm not talking because I'm like out of caution for COVID, but um, you know, over the last 15 months, we've just really liked kind of watching church online when we feel like it, don't really like getting dressed up and coming and don't really feel like being in a relationship with Christians and you know, like you, the Bible like lays out that the church is a community of people and not a, a good or a service to consume, but rather a people and a worshiping community. And so, uh, so yeah, like that, that's the first step is where God's commands are clear. Like we want, we're gonna do that. But sometimes which girl provided that they both are like great girls and love Jesus and all the, these kind of things like that if you're a Christian person or starting your business, staying, working for this other one, like you're not gonna see anything on number one, which then we move down. Number two, where there is no command, God gives us freedom and responsibility to choose. So this is really freeing right here. Where there's not a clear command, you both have freedom, but there's also responsibility. So for instance, like for, for me, 
um, one time when Amy and I were getting married 26 years ago, almost exactly, 1995. Um, we, were, um, we were about to get married like the week of. I had a car go in the shop for the first time. I'd driven throughout college. And, um, and I was like, oh, this is a money pit, money pit. This is ridiculous. Might as well have a car payment. It had been broken once. And um, went to the lot just to, just to kind of see what they would give me for it. And, um, and then I, I, I come there and, um, and next thing you know, I drive away with an SUV. I was kind of smitten with it. It seemed like kind of like an adult thing. I didn't really have a real adult car before that and kind of felt like a family man. Never mind that we're 22 and a long ways away from kids and all that. Anyways, I walk away, check this out, with a car with as many miles as my college car and I now have, I had no debt coming into that day on that car lot. I now had a note to pay on that car for like five years. And with a car that now is as much of a risk of breaking down as the one I just traded in. Now, I would make a case that wasn't a sinful choice, but a chronically unwise one. But here's the thing, there's freedom to choose, but there's a responsibility that I had the, the joy of having five-year note on a car with a lot of miles that was like a millstone around my neck. All right, so there's no command, but God's, God gives us freedom. And that leads into the third thing, which there's no command. God gives us wisdom to choose. While my choice with the car wasn't sinful, it was terribly chronically unwise. And if I'd have spent two minutes asking people that were good with money, that had made car purchases before, that was my first, on my own, they would have said, and actually, my dad even told me, um, even said, hey, look, this is a bad move, don't do this. And, but I blew right through that stop sign. Uh, but the reality is, is God does give us wisdom for choosing and the ability to avoid unwise choices, even if they're not sinful. Uh, number four, when we've chosen what is moral and wise, so let's say we haven't done what I've done and blow through the stop signs of a lack of wisdom, then listen to this. We can trust the sovereign um, God to work all these things together for good, all right? Uh, that we can just trust him. And we've worked through it. We're on this path of going, I love you. My fear of the Lord's my first thing. And I trust you. And I'm looking through the Bible and it doesn't seem that one is better than the other. And even in terms of wisdom, I've walked through and it seems like um, that, that this seems a bit more wise to me based on my conversations, based on my experience, based on my unique life circumstances. And therefore, now I'm just gonna pull the trigger. I'm not gonna second guess it. And I can trust that God is good and he's gonna redemptively work things. I don't have to worry about missing it. Um, said differently, the great Augustine um, quite some time ago said this, love God and do as you please. How about that? Almost seems wrong, doesn't it? Love God and do as you please. Now in the middle of that, I'd add, if I was gonna have a conversation with Augustine, love God, walk wisely, and do as you please. But what would happen if there's this incredible freedom that now instead of being paralyzed, um, that perhaps um, the single guy can be like, I don't know, dude, why don't you go ask one of them out? You can throw that out there. Instead of being paralyzed and another not an Xbox, how about, how about we step on out there and ask one of these cute girls out? I'm just asking a question on that. And we might not have to be paralyzed by fear and you're love God and you feel some freedom and even boldness on decision-making. A couple of quick questions you may have before we apply it finally with these cases I laid out at the beginning. Um, some of you may say, what happens if I miss it though? And I would just say, the only it to miss would be Jesus crucified and resurrected and his revealed moral will, things that are clear in the Bible. Be very concerned about missing it, that it, of like where God says, do this and not that be really careful to do, do, the, do the this and not the that, all right? Yeah, so that's an it. Um, but even if you were to say, what happens if I miss the one? I would say, how do you, I've been around my whole life with people that meet a girl or a guy and they're like, I think he might be the one. 
And you're like, you said that last week, man. I don't, I don't know that that's true. They don't even know your name. I, you know, I don't know that that's true. That you'll know that she or he is the one when you put a ring on the finger and you walk across a stage like this one and you both say that you wanna spend the rest of your life together. At that point, you'll know that that's the one, all right? And you don't have to worry about the it, about um, there may be reasons to not take that new job or to stay at your current job, but you don't have to worry about that if you do this one when it seemed wise that there, there's not an it to miss if you're inside of God's moral will. And that's a beautiful thing. There may be wiser and less wise, uh, but there's not an it to miss. Or, um, or someone else may ask, what about this love God and do as I please, um, isn't that just gonna mean that we just make the most money as we can and date the prettiest person we can and it's gonna be almost like a hedonistic, self-inflating like self -inflating kind of life? And to that, I would say, the love God part is like a really important part of that ingredient. And as we love God and seek to obey him on this path of obedience and love and faith and trust, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and we even want wisdom, um, that, um, that the love God part is the key part of that. The love God part might choose me to make decisions that actually serve you more and that even make things harder on me. It's possible that we may make decisions, self-sacrificing decisions for the benefit of others. So let me just apply these things finally um, as we try to love God and do as we please. So imagine you've got these, this guy that's looking at these um, couple of girls, again, hardly likely that they're both interested in you, but okay. Um, that what happens if you look at both and you're like, you start working through it. Are they, are they believing girls? Are they like, do I like, would I enjoy spending time with them? And sometimes you may realize, I don't know. I don't have enough information. I might need to take them on a date or just spend more time in groups and get to know them. Uh, but let's just say that you're like, no, like there's solid character and integrity. Like this is a great person. Then you move down and say, okay, are, are there any commands here? Like, well, no, there's nothing there. Well, now it's this one or that one. And usually, usually as you begin to process through this and you're not looking for the Rocky movie or the billboard or if she picks up on the second ring or anything crazy like that, but rather, rather it's, I don't know, man, I just, I just think she is super interesting and I would love to spend time with her. I, I'm, I'm going to ask her out. You know, I'm going to take a risk here and I'm going to go for it. And God would say, cool. Or if you're like, actually, I think this one is super interesting. Like, I feel like we've kind of got a connection and some common interest. I'm just going to, I'm going to step through that door and God says, go for it. You know, well, what happens if she was the one? Don't worry about that, man. Why don't you, to anybody be the one, you're gonna have to ask somebody out. So, you know, that's what he'd say. And, and he'd say, go for it, you're free. And love God and do as you please, man. Like it's, it's within a wise framework. Or you're trying to figure out whether to branch out and start this new career, um, start your own business, maybe move cities. You've had a job offer somewhere else, uh, make this hire. I mean, it could be any of that within your professional circumstance. And it could be, you're like, well, there's nothing like wrong about starting a new career unless there's like something unethical that happened in the middle of it. Um, I'm free to do that. That, um, that perhaps on this situation, what would happen on this one though, if you're considering starting your own business, starting your own real estate company, your own financial planning company, um, and, um, and your spouse or maybe a good friend says, yeah, but you know, you've got your youngest kid has some health issues right now. And, um, or maybe you're caring for an aging parent. And are you sure that right now is the best time to start that? And you're like, ooh, that's a really good point. That might be a later thing, but it might not be wise right now. And so you're like, I'm gonna love God and do as I please. I'm gonna stay here and work for the company I'm at happily and for God's glory. And God says, cool, that seems wise, go for it. And then we're not spending our whole time um, spinning our wheels, second guessing decisions, paralyzed, 
feeling like you're on the spiritual JV, even emboldened to make, uh, to make tough decisions, uh, bold hires, um, strong moves with your life, even financial risks where it's wise um, because it can be done freely and for God's glory whenever we're on that path of following him out of fear of the Lord. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray um, that these things would be true of us. Lord, would you give us the, the heart and desire to um, love you and even the freedom to do as we please in decision-making. And there'd be a lot of wisdom in this room and even a start of new relationship with you, that there'd be uh, people here that have never trusted in you that would want to be on this path of, of wisdom and knowledge and knowing you. And I pray um, that this would be true in Jesus' name. Amen.